When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark is driving the bus. He's got a full pack of Marlboros. It'll be all right. It'll be all good. Uh, welcome in. Good to be with you. Plenty to get into, and we'll focus on special teams. Uh, that sounds boring, doesn't it? Well, Coach Dawson was anything but boring. It wasn't quite a a firing squad he was in front of, but man, you want to talk about uncomfortable, and and he's he's a stand-up guy. I think he's really talented. I love what the defensive ends have been doing, slash outside linebackers when you look at Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson, but you know, Dawson was uh, in front of the microphone, and that's one phase uh, to to discuss, and uh, it's cost Nebraska, so We'll hear a little bit from Coach Dawson and Nebraska special teams. Excited to talk with Mitch Sherman. Mitch was uh, in East Lansing. Uh, Mitch, uh, of course, with The Athletic. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes. In Hour 2, Nebraska basketball. The uh, party gets started for their uh, training camp. They've been working out and kind of getting that chemistry thing going all off season. And uh, Jacob Padilla knows hoops like no other. He'll be with us in one hour. And then it is a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski going to be with us. What's he think of things uh, from uh, the Michigan State game? And uh, we'll, uh, for sure, uh, spend some time with him. Numbers to get in. Can dial us up, 466 800 Five eight six five can email Chris at hailvarsity.com can uh, find us that way can uh, send us a uh, heads up on Twitter and do so at Schmidt underscore radio at Hale Varsity and uh, at ESPN Lincoln Cotter what's your Twitter brother uh, C underscore Clark underscore twenty seven all right a lot of underscores there <laughs> underline it and uh, follow Connor give him a, a heads up as well still uh, room for you to get in. If uh, we want to talk outlook and just magnitude of of Saturday, Nebraska enters in at two and three. There can be a lot of different variations of where Nebraska's record should be, could be, would be, but they are what they are right now. And and what happens Saturday under the lights against Northwestern, who is trying to rebound after a tough start. And this is your elimination game, right? Not that anyone's really... uh, in position against Iowa as it sits right now, as where, where Iowa's ranked and who Iowa's beat. But uh, this is a crazy division. The West is nutty. 
and uh, stranger things have happened, as in Northwestern winning two of the last four division titles, okay? This is your elimination game, okay? Nebraska can't go 0-3 and have hopes of, of getting to a bowl game. Nebraska can't go 0-3 and have hopes of challenging uh, what remains on their schedule, and there's a lot of meat left on the bone moving forward. Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, all absolutely winnable, but it's got to start Saturday night with uh, getting back in that win column for Nebraska. You get a bit of a breather, and uh, then you close out with uh, Purdue after a bye week, and you got Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Nebraska's good enough defensively to win everything on their schedule. They're shaky enough offensively when it comes to protecting Adrian to to, to be where they're at right now, and that's do you get between 17 and 21 points. That's a big ask for the defense, but that is also Big Ten football, low scoring, smash mouth, and uh, possessions matter. And then there's special teams. Is that the third phase of the game that keeps murdering you uh, in some big games? Is there a new fire to put out, or is there finally uh, a sprinkler – uh, system put in overhead to put some fire outs. Now, not a good game last night for Philly. Didn't watch a ton of Monday night football, but uh, Jalen Hurts uh, right on the money last night after a blowout loss to the Cowboys. You take you a deuce. You don't, you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. Okay, you take you a deuce. Uh, you don't sit there and look at it. You, you flush it. You move on. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> uh, the special teams was a big deuce. Don't know if it was burrito night. Don't want to get too disgusting or graphic, but it is what it is. That's, that's where Nebraska is trying to move forward from. Uh, and the question I have, and if Nebraska goes out there with the same energy and intensity and it can either be right on the money when guys talk about no finger pointing. Well, we're not going to point fingers. We're a team. We're a family. I get that, right? There's only so much you can take before you lose it on your family, though. And if you get another insanely high-level defensive performance and the offense is turnover-filled and special teams is still garbage and you lose a ball game, let's just say two to nothing, because nothing would surprise me in the Nebraska-Northwestern series, then defensively you're going to be just like ticked. And if and if you just kind of get the feel of the defensive guys on the sideline, I mean, they're, they, they want to win. They are there for their brother on offense and special teams, but they need, they need them to pull their own weight, do their job. Don't be a liability. Don't be the reason you lost. And right now, special teams in your offensive line play is the reason you're not scoring points. It's the reason you're not winning ball games. I mean, you, you just can't, as well as Nebraska's defense played, you can't demand a shutout. You can't demand single digits. You, you can demand low teens, but it's not a guarantee that the offense will get out of their own way. I don't know if the I'm, – I'm, I'm all about competition and opening things up. I just don't know if it's – the answer to go to guys who haven't played that haven't played well enough to get more time in the rotation or see major snaps. I know it's been more more constant where guys have filtered in and, and by a third series, 
you've seen some different mixes and matches of the offensive line. You're, you're going into game six. So do you ride with this and get these guys better? Do you, do you come to an agreement where, okay, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we can do. Do you drift more towards a select section of the playbook that can be executed and they, they're just going to have to stop us. They may or may not know what's coming and may take away from our advantage or element of surprise or being multiple or diverse. But if, if you're really good at this, it may not matter. You can, you can get second and seven and then third and three. I thought Nebraska did a pretty good job of that. I thought Nebraska's been highly focused on, on third down situations, and they were really pretty good, quite honestly, in third down situations until they weren't, which was the interception and it was boneheaded to call a pass play on third and three in overtime. If if we can agree that you should you shouldn't even have been in overtime. So if and I looked at the presser yesterday with Coach Frost, and, and he was matter of fact. He didn't say names. He said positions. He talked phases, special teams. So that's that's a challenge from your head coach. And he's spending time in your meeting room if you're Greg Austin. He's spending time in your meeting room if you're Coach Dawson. And there's that that gray area between call out and challenge. And how are you going to react to it as a player, as 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 a member of the offensive line, where okay, you're he's talking. We need we need better play at right guard or 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 right tackle. Excuse me, left guard or right tackle. So that's that's Piper. That's Hickson. That's Benhart. That's Banks. That's that's Miller. Either step up and take the job, or or Ben Hart get better. And Ben Hart's a good ball player, highly recruited kid, a lot of talent. So it's not that he can't improve or get better. But if you're Piper, uh, Piper's a local kid, a really talented kid. It's been t- a tough go for him, and it's been a tougher go for him the second year after seeing snaps last year than it is now versus then. And people have kind of adapted or adjusted, or he's just playing better dudes. I don't know. But, look, I think all these guys can rebound and, and have a good performance Saturday and get um, get on the right path for, for Michigan and then Minnesota. So it's it's not a done deal. It's not sealed. It's not an end of the, of the story for this offensive line. I think they can get better. I think Greg Austin – Listen, the guy knows his stuff, and I think he's a guy that can 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 get his guys to do certain things. That's just got to be understood between your offensive coordinator, your head coach, and and your your run game coordinator. Yeah, and I mean, late in that game, it kind of just seemed like right then and there, as you were watching Martinez and the offense try and go down the field and and win you a ball game on the road against a, a very good Michigan State team. It seemed like Scott Frost's confidence in the O line just fell off a cliff just right then and there. I think it's I think it's been an, an ongoing uh, dance. To be honest with right. you, I mean, you go back to Oklahoma, you go back to the the final two and a half minutes against Sparty, and it's okay. It's okay to be worried. You got to risk manage. The other side of that coin being, dude. Is it going to be the end of the first half against Illinois all over again when we're trying to go in the football game where there's a strip sack and all of a sudden you're down seven and a half and momentum's gone? That's what's that's what's going through his mind. He's scared as hell, right? Because you can't 
you can't trust it. And can you even take a shot? <laughs> because, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, up, Adrian sacked, up, Adrian. I mean, and look at that fourth quarter. I mean, he fumbled at the 50, and, and there were zero points given up. And then you get the overtime interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's difficult. Here's Coach Dawson, uh, full Monty here on special teams, punting, uh, how problematic that has been. He addressed the media earlier today. I think that Daniel is, uh, you know, knows as much as anyone in the world, uh, including myself, that that's when we're going to carry with us a long time. Uh, generally, as a coach, even uh, going back to uh, my prior experiences in special teams, you kind of wash away the ones that uh, you know were not effective, or even the ones that were positive for you. And the, those those ones are, are, are ones that stick with you, and that's probably the ultimate one I've ever seen. Uh, Daniel knows it. Um, you know, Will knows it too. Uh, you know, Will had a couple of opportunities in, earlier in the game to, uh, uh, that we had a couple uh, low line drives. We had one, uh, you know, seven yard punt. So um, both of those guys know and understand uh, that the, the whole team's count on them. Uh, the difference with the specialists, you can look at it any way you want, uh, whether it's the punter or the kicker. Um, those guys get limited opportunities to get their job done. Um, you know, there may be a guy playing on offensive defense. He may play 70 plays in a game. He uh, had two major errors on the first two and then 68 plays that played pretty good. And he walks out of there going, I had a pretty, pretty good game. One shot uh, with the specialists, whether it's a missed field goal, a missed punt, a bad snap, whatever it might be. And then that's a death blow to the game. It changes the game and uh, alters the game completely. So uh, I think those guys know and understand what happened and uh, what we need to uh, going forward and uh, how we need to operate at that position. So pretty stand up by Dawson uh, talked about his guys and it is, it's a, it's a quality versus a quantity thing. And you got to be on, you can't bust on special teams. You can't be erratic and out of sync offensively. And, and, you know, it can't be quarterback hunter every drop back. Uh, let's talk about the offense for a moment and coach Lubick. Because in the red zone, Nebraska still doesn't have a go-to. And easier to armchair it or go Madden for a moment. But when they get in the red zone, uh, it's been quarterback run. Okay, And occasionally you'll, you'll have a, a, a power play where the, where the eye back will go in. But if they're trying to throw inside the 20, um, I just haven't seen a lot of the weaponry used. Okay. It was a slant to Toure, which on its face isn't a bad call. It's just down in distance through third and three. But you have a guy like Omar, okay, that can go do some special things. Uh, you have a guy like Vokalek that is big and can can box out in the end zone. And then I, I have not seen Austin Allen. And I'm sure there's 40 guys on Austin Allen, but he's still 6'9 with a basketball background you can throw a jump ball. And I know fade routes are, are really hard completions, but there's, there's, there are choices uh, to, to have. Here is, do we have time for it? We have time for it. Here is Lubick with the, the red zone issues. And you got to be better. You got to score more points on offense. Into the red zone, the defense has to uh, defend less space. So kind of common sense, which as an offense, it kind, of, it kind of shrinks your playbook down a little bit, too, because you can't do some of the, the same plays that can take advantage of space and spreading guys out and, and different things and really threaten them downfield. So they don't have to get bars. So they can, you know, they can sit on routes more. Uh, they, they can put more guys in the box. Um, and so it's something that, you know, it's, that, that's not an excuse by no means, but that's, you know, the defense, 
that's a little bit of their to their advantage. But at the end of the day, you know, we know that we spend a lot of time in uh, preparing for red zone. Uh, we practice it every week, at, at least two days. Um, we spend a whole night of game planning on the red zone. What what plays? What how's our package going to change? Because you have to specifically change once you get down there. Uh, by the end of the day, you know, we we got to execute better. They do, and uh, you've, you've had missed field goals against Oklahoma. Uh, you had penalties derail some drives against Sparty. Overall, though, Nebraska uh, is up and down as they've been to be two and three. Great opportunity Saturday. We'll kind of get the feel of this football team uh, if they're ready to invest back in or if they're teetering, not only physically but mentally. Uh, going into Northwestern. That's a question. You know, how do they take the critiques and do they respond to that? Mitch Sherman on the way from the Athletic at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Tuesday edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. where you find him. Mitch, how's your Tuesday, man? Oh, not too bad. Pretty busy, but uh, I'm doing all right. How about you, Chris? I'm good, man. Thanks for the time. Two questions about your trip to to Michigan. Did you uh, at least get a a foul ball from, from Salvi? Perez, or, and did you beat Magic Johnson and Horse? Those are two things I got to know. Well, I think we've established that Magic Johnson did not attend the game on Saturday night. So I know you and I talked, but if, I need the if, the audience is if, wondering. Yes, I know. If if he had been there, I would have made it my my goal to make that happen. Um, <laughs> but alas, he was not there. So no, I did, I did not. I did not take on Magic and Horse. As I, as I mentioned to you, Steve Smith was there, the uh, fellow former Spartan uh, star backcourt mm-hmm. basketball player. But uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, converse with, with Steve Smith either. So I failed in all ways to connect with Michigan State basketball glory. Uh, also, no foul ball, but I did get to see Salvi bat three times at uh, Comerica Park on Friday night and watch the Royals the first seven innings of the victory good good for you i know you were pretty excited about seeing your your royals on the road mitch there's a lot of games you've seen where did, did saturday night rank as far as uh crushing loss o-meter how were, were you in disbelief i guess with the result or are are you in position covering this team to to not to not be shocked by anything? I wouldn't say I was shocked. I wouldn't say that I was confident really at any point that Nebraska was going to win. I, you know, certainly in a normal circumstance with a, a, a regular a regular team, I guess is, is a, a way to put it, I, I would have thought, yeah, things look really good here late in the, in the second half, certainly after Nebraska went up 20 to 13 and had been dominating the Michigan State offense and really having its way with the Spartans on defense, too, for a lot of the second half, even though the the points didn't pile up on the scoreboard. Uh, I think I would have thought, yeah, hey, this looks really good. But 
that's not what we've come to know about Nebraska football. They are, as I wrote on Sunday and published Monday morning on The Athletic, uh, maybe the most untrustworthy team in America. So much like Mel Tucker and the way that he coaches against Nebraska now that we've seen in two games where I think it's just, just wait around, just wait around, guys, and they're going to do something to screw this up. That's kind of how I felt about Nebraska as we got deeper into the fourth quarter, and it happened. It happened on, on the punt. So that's going to be the play that everybody remembers about that game, and I think deservedly so, but there were other opportunities throughout the second half for Nebraska to get a little more separation between themselves, itself, and the Spartans, and, and even on the drive that ended in the faithful punt. Nebraska could have uh, could have put that game out of reach if it had just done some of the stuff that it was doing throughout the fourth quarter. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio. Add Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, Coach Dawson addressed the media today. I know so did Coach Lubick, so did Coach Chenander. What did you, you take away from, from Dawson? I know he was about 15 minutes in front of the, the mics and video cameras. And how, how did he seem to you? Oh, he seemed like a guy who knew that his unit let the team, let the team down and, and hasn't been playing up to the expectation that Nebraska set for its special teams. He, he, did what he, he said what he could say. They're, they're still working at it. They're going to, they're going to keep their, keep their heads down and work hard until, until they figure this thing out. I, I didn't hear anything from him that inspired a lot of confidence in me that Nebraska's got the answers. I think this is just a program that is, it, it set, has set itself back um, in, in the way that it approached special teams for a long time. And here in 2021, they have absolutely prioritized it. But it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. I don't even, and I think we're learning that it doesn't necessarily happen because of the, the hard work and dedication of one offseason. It takes time, much like it took time to rebuild the Nebraska defense and, and turn them into what is a, a top 20 or certainly 25 group in the whole country, one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, you don't just decide in – February or March of this year, hey, we're going to fix these special teams by paying more attention to them and saying all the right things, and then you show up in, in August and September and they look great. It's, it's, it's a longer process than that, and I think it takes even more in terms of the attitude and mental approach to that part of the game than Nebraska has committed to so far. I think you're spot on. You can't just flip the light switch on and expect it to be good let alone competent you're good at what you emphasize and and now it's it's an emphasis mitch with nebraska football and uh, we talk special teams we talk offense as well and the offensive line what's your gauge on a better performance i know northwestern's not supposed to be michigan state their front seven or even oklahoma's but it really hasn't seemed to matter uh, is the answer on the offensive line guys that haven't been playing, even though that everything's open, right? That's that's the mantra. 
Yeah, they've opened it up this week for sure. Uh, lots of competition, especially at the, the left guard and right tackle spot, according to Scott Frost on on Monday at his press conference. Uh, if if they've got guys in practice who can walk in and fix the problem that Nebraska's had for the past couple of weeks and really all season up front on offense, then you know I question their decisions earlier in this year not to play those guys. I, I don't I don't think it's a an easy fix. I do think that the um, you know the what, the comments that we heard this week with Frost serving notice to the linemen that their jobs are are in jeopardy and on the line. I think that's going to get their attention. I think he should have had their attention before this week, but that's the way it is, and it seems like it's the way it's been with a lot of areas in this program over the last few years. It's, it's uh, um, you know, it's, it's plugging up one, one problem area only to see another one sprout. And right now, Clearly, the issues coming out of this second Big Ten game of the season are the offensive line, which was exploited on Saturday night to the tune of, of seven times that Adrian Martinez was sacked, and then, as we mentioned, the special teams play. But I don't look for it to be an overnight fix. Um, I think they'll look better. Uh, I, I think that they're going to practice hard this week, and, and they have been practicing hard, but I, I think they're going to double down. Um, you know, we'll see how much how much it, it can all come together in in, in one week. Uh, I do think we'll see some changes. I, I don't think Nebraska's going to go through what it what it has only to stand pat on Saturday night against Northwestern. But you can bet that Northwestern is going to come with a plan to stop Nebraska at what it does best. That's that's kind of the hallmark with Pat Fitzgerald. They're going to maybe be undermanned in some areas. But they're going to they're going to have a, uh, a scheme that's devised. In, in this case, I would say to to take Adrian Martinez out of his game. You know, the offense goes as he goes, and Northwestern is well aware of that. They've seen it in the years that they've played against Nebraska uh, with Martinez as the quarterback, and and they're going to they're going to have something mapped out to uh, to make Nebraska do things that it's uncomfortable doing on offense. Mitch, do you worry about uh, do you worry about a d- division or a schism? Do you worry about a response by Nebraska after two tough games, two close losses? I don't get the sense that that's going on. Uh, I think this team is pretty resolved and, and together right now to make this thing work. I, I think if you get later in the year, that kind of thing can emerge. You know, if it, if it, if it gets to the point where it's a lost season and there's, there's not much left out there for Nebraska to uh, attain as far as its goals. That some of that happened, I think, at the end of last year. Um, around the time of, of the last game or two, because it was it was there wasn't much left out there for Nebraska uh, to you know to, to make its mark as a as a strong team as a team that had had improved over the year before and they're not they're not at that spot yet here with with three losses through five games and they they know what's on the schedule the players do and they know there's still an opportunity for them to to turn this thing around in 2021 but. You know, it takes all three phases. They're not good enough, really, on in, in any part of the game, and I include the defense in that, um, to just say, okay, we can win it with this one phase. It takes it takes all three phases. It's going to take that kind of cohesion in in the, the, the seven games that Nebraska has left to to win enough of them to to really show progress. So, 
I think they're still together right now. Uh, but, but yeah, there's always the, the risk that, that that kind of a schism could arise if they continue to go in a direction, um, you know, where, where games are not being won. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. We're talking Nebraska as they get ready for Northwestern. Night game, Mitch. And what uh, what does Saturday night mean? A chance to, to get in the win column? Yes, but do you, uh, do you worry about what Northwestern can do uh, on the road here about a minute? Yeah, they're always a tough out. They're, they're a well-coached team, and they seem to save some of their best for Nebraska. You know, there are just there are matchups like that throughout the Big Ten, where it, it, it just it just seems that uh, you know whether it's the coaching X's and O's or the physicality versus finesse or scheme versus scheme that uh, you know are always tough, uh, no matter what. And you know, in eight out of the ten games that Nebraska and Northwestern have played, they've gone down to to, to one score. Uh, Northwestern has won five of those eight. In many cases was maybe in every case was the lesser talented of the, of the two teams. So I expect nothing different. Uh, you know, this, the, this is a, a Northwestern team that, that probably isn't going to go and win the big 10 West like it did a year ago, but that doesn't seem to matter in this series. They, they, they're going to play Nebraska tough. They've taken Nebraska to overtime two of the last three years. So, you know, if we get in that situation again on Saturday night, I'll, I'll, I'll say now I, I wouldn't be shocked. Mitch, have a good rest of your week. Uh, we'll talk to you later on, and thanks for a few minutes today, bud. Okay, thanks, Chris. All right. Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity Radio with The Athletic. Uh, Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you find him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the least trustworthy team uh, right on the money with that. Some more thoughts from Coach Lubick, the Husker offense, Jacob Bedilla on the way as well. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. We'll talk some Husker hoops and some Big Red football with Jacob Padilla on the way here in 20 minutes. Rick Kaczynski, a Tuesday with Kaz. And we're out at Seacrest Field tomorrow night. It's uh, freshman football, junior, and uh, his uh, unbeaten Southwest, not his. <laughs> we'll see if he gets on the field. Love him dearly. But just call it like we see it. Uh, his teammates, his guys, uh, are uh, taking on Southeast. So a couple of undefeated freshman squads. So I think that thing kicks off at 5. We are uh, going to be out there 4 to 6 and going to do a little uh, office work on the road uh, at Seacrest tomorrow. Numbers to get in, 466 825-5865. And, and, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Mitch said, you know, uh, when it comes to not being trustworthy, and, and that is Nebraska football. Whether you like to lay some heat and you gamble or you're just a, a diehard Nebraska fan or you're a waning Nebraska fan, that that uh, that level of trust is is flighty and Cranach hit on it Saturday morning uh, when it, when it came to, and, and it, and it really trickles down, right? What do you see at practice? Does practice go the way you want it to go Monday through Thursday? And have guys been able to translate practice to game? Not always the case. And that's just, that's just life. It's, it's a game. It's football. It's not always going to go how you draw it up. 
and more times than not, uh, if if you don't see what you like in practice, are you going to throw a guy in the game and expect him to do it in the game? And there are some guys that are, air quote, gamers that just kind of go in and maybe they're not the best practice player, but man, they roll it and rock it when the lights are on. So you have those personalities you got to be able to decipher and use as well. But with Nebraska and that that trust level we're talking about, it's it's just got to be frustrating for the players in some instances where, okay, uh, back to Illinois. <laughs> oh, whoops, <laughs> this is new. Uh, our prep's out the window, at least half of it, right? So you, you, you adapt, you adjust. The kids got to trust the coaches that they're getting them ready, prepping them for what they're going to see or getting them locked in with uh, here's here's the, the first two series, the script will be nails, you go get some points. The other part of this two-way street is the coaches, uh, listen, I trust you to not freaking jump off sides and make it first and 25 twice in the last two weeks because that really blows up what I'd like to do and I'd like to call. And then thirdly, um, when you have maybe – Say it's a bad football game and, and you punt eight times. You, you got to be doing better uh, than than averaging thirty one to thirty two yards a kick. You might as well go for it, even if you're uh, PJ Fleck on your own twenty nine. Brutal. And you're in the Big Ten too, so you may have a game like that. You're gonna have you're gonna terrible. have a thirteen to ten game, right? Where and it's a rock to, fight. You're gonna have to kick the ball. I mean. You had a nine to six victory over Michigan State in two thousand and eighteen. So you had a different kicker and a different field goal. Kicker. Uh, that is that is very true. But who's to say that weather isn't going to happen again? Oh, you're going to have it. You're going to have it, and you're going to have to go win a game with right. your third team left tackle, or your third team guard, mm-hmm. or a backup uh, eye back, or your second team quarterback. That's how you. That's how you live in the Big Ten. So trust is going to be huge, and there's just not enough shown where you can get a consistent grasp on on what's going to happen. So you're you're just you're just guessing. You're hoping. You're hoping good things happen. Let's hear a little bit more uh from some of Nebraska. Uh here is coach Chenander. Uh he has flipped the page. He's focusing on Northwestern's offense and uh it'll be another hard hat lunch pail game for the Big Red. Their defense playing high ball. Well, like I said, I think they're extremely well-versed in using formations, different personnel groupings, motions to try to, um, you know, get your eyes going the wrong way and making you move the defensive formation. Uh, also, I think they have, you know, they have an experienced offensive line, three returning starters. Uh, their running back hole is a really good football player, and I think their use of the tight ends is really good right now. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff to prepare for, and it's a, it's a difficult offense. So. It is, and Northwestern, with with lesser talent, high IQ, and a lot of heart, they've done a phenomenal job, and and they they just get matchups going. Hull has had a really nice season, averaging 119 yards a game, and you've got Johnson and Marty. That's not a law firm. That's the quarterback monster, and they're going to find some little dude in the slot that's going to wear out one of your linebackers or a safety or your nickel. But Northwestern will come in here and make it interesting. 
And I worry, honestly, I think that's how big Saturday is, and I don't like going here this soon. But this is this is going to be, and we said fork in the road last week. We said measuring stick for Oklahoma. We said season maker against Illinois. So we can put a, a tag on, on every game. But this, this determines your level of engagement moving forward. Not just as a fan base. As Michigan and Nebraska, the helmet game looms for a nighttime national audience. That's really cool. It'd be a lot cooler if Nebraska was 3-3 three and three and 1-2, and two, but Northwestern's in front of them first. They lose this Saturday. I think all bets are off with this team even competing into November. I mean, I think you're going to run into that wall because it's going to be the same story. It's going to be, man, the defense is carrying everybody. Their back hurts. Uh, if you're Adrian and you keep – God, God love him. I mean, he, he has stayed healthy somehow. Eventually, he's going to get smoked. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. But if he keeps getting hit with all these drawbacks, it's inevitable. Right. Based on his injury history that he's going to make it through the season. I mean, he almost busted his jaw on that first series, for God's sake. So it could really go very ugly. Yeah, I was just going to say, we, we saw him hit the deck against Michigan State. And another thing about this game against Northwestern is one way you can look at it if you want to be an optimist about this Nebraska team is if they win this game, they're 3-3, three and three, kind of throw out that conference record, say, who cares, and say, all right, this is a clean slate, treat it as 0-0, zero and zero. you have to win three out of your next six games, let's go do this. Well, and I think they, they, win, they can put a three-game win streak together Absolutely. They played well enough to, to be four and one. They they played well enough to be five and oh. They are what they are though because of their own screw ups. And eventually it's gotta get fixed. And uh, eventually there's stern talk and then you move to, to making changes and you gotta trust that again, back to the trust, if you're making changes, it's it's for the betterment and you're not doing it just out of punishment. So that's kind of where I'm at with Nebraska, and uh, they win. They win Saturday against Northwestern, and that's an if. They win Saturday against Northwestern. You can kind of keep keep on moving. They drop this one to go to zero and three in Big Ten play and two and four. It is getting to beyond danger time with uh, which direction this season will go. It's already been. Uh, inconsistent, but it could go bad real quick. We'll wind down hour one at Tale of Our City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hour two, Jacob Padilla is coming up. And then our Tuesday chat with Kaz, former Nebraska defensive line coach and Iowa coach, Get his take on the curse of Kaz, right? Uh, that uh, reality of Northwestern being a Thor, not only to Nebraska, but also Iowa, some of their days. Reminder about buckling up, nearly 70% of fatal crashes in Nebraska. Folks aren't wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department 
of Highway Safety Office. Numbers to get in, 466 3776 800 825 5865 You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt. That's where you find me on Twitter at Varsity at ESPN. Some of the interviews up on ESPN, Lincoln.com, the on-demand section, also Facebook, and uh, later on, a little SoundCloud love uh, from Mitch Sherman, Jacob Padilla, and Rick Kaczynski. Well, this was great last night. The Manning broadcast, uh, Peyton and Eli, are incredible. Uh, Saban, Chris Long, uh, they need to get Snoop Dogg on there with them. I think that'd be pretty entertaining. But this was Eli uh, re- just taking you inside the huddle of what it's like to play in Philly. Go to Philly, I mean, you're getting the double bird right away <laughs> from a nine-year-old kid. I would give the bird. I don't know. Can we do that? Can you, no. I'm sure you can, you can blur that out, right? It's over now. Yeah. So, I mean, getting double bird by a nine-year-old. All right, all right. Sorry. Uh, earlier I gave the, uh, the double bird. I guess that's frowned upon, so I apologize if I offended anybody. I thought I was just, that's what a nine-year-old did to me. I thought I could i could do it back. So, uh, but Chris, I blame you. I blame you for that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I can't do that? What? I can see that. Like, Philly fan, and I know a couple of Eagles fans. They're good people. Most of that place is not. I mean, it's It's horrific. Ask Searles sometime about Philly fan uh, when when Minnesota was playing the NFC Championship up there. They're awful. They are. There's no breathalyzer in that city ever. You saw how they reacted with uh, Mister Ed in the horses after they won, and then you've got nine year olds saying you're not number one, you're number two, and then Eli like went off. I think Eli's family is scarred from things they said about poor Mama Manning. And he couldn't get, and thank God he didn't go there. Uh, He just fumbled the, no, you can't, even like cable after 9 p.m., they still blur out the middle finger. All right. Anytime the breakfast club's on uh, and and John Bender's trying to, to, to pimp the wrestler a little bit, Emilio Estevez's character, they still blur out the, the digit. So no, Eli, no middle finger love. But thank you for going there. And he's still hurt by it that a nine-year-old in Philly. But no F-bombs involved with the, the double bird by the nine-year-old? They didn't throw any broken glass at you, Eli? The good thing you're retired. Uh, we'll check in. Jacob Padilla, Husker Hoops, Husker Football next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Hunter Clark, is uh, producing today. We welcome in basketball insider and volleyball guru and does Husker Hoops as well. 
Jacob Padilla with us from Hale Varsity at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter's where you find him. Jacob, how's the Tuesday going, man? Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, it's always good to talk with you. Hey, uh, so there's a lot to dive into. We'll start with football before hoops, before volleyball. And, uh, you know, what's your read? We're kind of talking about the, the topic of trust. It's been an ongoing, living, breathing thing uh, with this Nebraska football team. And uh, you just wonder, moving forward, if uh, trust will 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 be earned um, uh, by by the coaches and players. And, and I think it's been okay, but it, it can get shaky with with results like you've had, specifically when you lose a a game that way. Uh, as you look at things right now, are, are you concerned about Nebraska's ability to, to move forward from Michigan State and Oklahoma as Northwestern comes to town? Yeah, that's always the danger of um, situations like this where um, you're telling these guys, all right, this is what you need to do to be successful. And then they go out and try to do it as best they can, and they still can't get a win out of it. And you've got certain parts of the team doing their job and certain parts not, and they're, and it's not always the same parts from week to week, although some, some units have struggled more consistently than the others. But um, that's kind of where you need that, um, that reinforcement that, all right, um, that win on your belt to go get it done and say, all right, see, you guys believe in this, stick with us, you keep doing this way, and it'll pay dividends. Right now they're just not getting that. And it's, it just really hurts when you – do so many things well enough to win and still can't find a way to, to get that W uh, against Michigan State. Yeah, the payoff is is getting in the win column. It's competing for the division, and uh, it's not over, but it could get there real quick from a West Division race despite the, the league being very choppy post-Iowa. So, Jacob, a thought. I want to go to the offense and then special teams. With offense, you know, what What do you think Nebraska moving forward can lean on, can do? Uh, and if if jobs are up for grabs, is is that a good thing as you head into week six? Uh, and clearly what's been happening hasn't been consistent enough. Adrian's been running for his life. Run game's better, but still not great. And uh, it, it's really feast or famine with being able to find some wideouts. I think it's cool that, that Manning and Betts have kind of emerged and, and you're seeing um, some heavy sets where Nebraska is getting, at least they did against Michigan State, they, they were better on second and third and manageable. But sometimes the play calling, either the execution was off or it was just a kind of an, a, an odd play call. And I go to the third and three in overtime where – You've been running the ball pretty well, or it's four-down territory, presumably, uh, and uh, you, you call a slant that just got screwed up, and it was it was a turnover. So what, what do you think Nebraska can do and hone in on? And do you have faith the offensive line will be a little bit more settled here this Saturday? See, that's the problem. I don't know. I don't know if there is thing one thing that you can feel good about because of that offensive line. And it's never a good thing when halfway through the season – topic of discussion is jobs being up for grabs and um, trying new starters because either, I mean, you go back, you think the guys that won the jobs coming out of uh, fall camp won it for a reason. So those guys are probably better than the guys that are behind them. And if they're not, 
and if you got the backups come in and do a better job, what does that say about the coach's ability to scout their own team? Um, so I think when you're at this, and there are already questions about that with this team, considering some of the uh, the interesting, I guess is one way to put it, uh, personnel usage. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it's not a good thing at this point when you're trying out. I mean, no matter what happens, either you get better, um, and it, it shows that the coaches may have made mistakes previously, or it doesn't get better, and they were right in the first place, and the, the guys that you started with were your best option. And we're seeing right now that um, if that's the case, that Nebraska's in trouble. Ultimately, they just have got to find a way to make some progress there. They can probably have to start trying to scheme things. I think um, Brandon wrote about this in his postgame column. They've got to find a way to, to scheme around the offensive line. Um, and whatever that means in terms of changing your play calling, changing uh, the personnel, um, throwing some things that you would like to do out and trying some different things that uh, maybe fit a little bit better with what they're doing right now and then uh, trying different guys as well. Um, they've got to, at this point, just kind of start trying everything to, to get more of a push, get more protection up front. Um, because I think at this point what we've learned as good as Adrian Martinez is capable of being, he's not a kind of superstar that can lift you to wins on his own. And there aren't many players that are like that, but we see even even on Saturday, um, I, I, I was really impressed. I guess going back to uh, the Illinois game, uh, kind of my takeaway from that is, well, same old Adrian. Um, he made a lot of the same mistakes that he had been making previously. He missed some throws that you just can't th- miss. He had the, the costly fumble. Those are all the mistakes that he had made previously that cost Nebraska. In the last few weeks, I, and especially that Oklahoma game, um, it looked like a different Adrian that he really had kind of gotten over the hump, was making the progress that we need to see. I, I, I thought in this last game he looked a little bit more like the guy that, that we had seen in terms of missing some throws that he can't really miss. Um, I think he's part of their, their red zone struggles. Um, so there's right now there's just kind of a hard ceiling, I think, on this offense with Martinez having to do as much as he is right now. You've got to find a way to give him some help to make the game easier for him because he's a very talented player mm-hmm. um, and can certainly help you win, but he can't, he can't win you games on your own. You've got to get him some help right now. Jacob Padilla is with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, and you know, I don't wear a headset. I'm not there 20-plus hours on the field with the kids, and I'm not there thousands of hours planning and prepping. But do you feel like sometimes the offense outthinks themselves? Do, do they get too cute with personnel? And I mean, to me, and, and you can like absolutely just hammer me and say, shut up, Schmidt. But you got, you got 6'9 Austin Allen, all right? And I know. I know uh, fade routes are, are not a great percentage, okay, but he's still he's still Austin Allen, or he, it's still Xavier Betts, or it's still uh, Omar Manning. I mean, let your dudes try and make a play uh, if if the run game isn't happening. And and I again I go back to hating the third and three in overtime where you could run it and, and get it versus a slant that went south. I know that's armchair, but man. I don't know. I, that, that's my question. There, there's no bread and butter go-to guarantee. So, okay. So, so what? 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 Then do you move on to? Well, you've got some. Yeah. You got some physical beasts that can go make a play. Do you let them try and make a play more often? 
Well, and that is that kind of um, that is something I was wondering about too. Especially like some of the play calling once they do get in the red zone um, is they know they can't just run it up the middle um, unless they're like a yard in, uh, right. yard out from the end zone um, or so. Then they've been decently uh, decent at converting those really short yardage. But once you get in that like seven yard, five yard kind of in that range where um, it's a little bit tougher, they've tried a lot of the vertical. Um, the vertical passing game, the vertical running game, trying to get out to the edges instead of kind of dropping back and trying to take shots. And um, I, I've always kind of found that interesting. Like you said, you, you got these big tight ends. Um, are you not trusting your quarterback to make those throws? And to be fair, Martinez has missed mm-hmm. um, I, over the last couple of years. Like I don't know how many, um, like what his <laughs> completion rate is on throws to guys in the end zone. It seems like uh, just remember a few notable misses. Um, I know he's missed. Allen himself is missing uh, a cup in the end zone a couple of times. And then there are other times where receivers have dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Martinez has made the, 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 the right pass. Um, so it's just been tough. They, they just, it just gets so hard for them in the red zone. Uh, when, when the field shrinks and they know that the defense doesn't have to worry too much of, uh, about them being able to just run it down your, their throat. Um, so I, I, part of it goes back to that, um, the, the lack of consistent, reliable running game. Part of it maybe goes back to the the um, limitations of their quarterback and passing offense as a whole right now. I don't really know. Like I said, I w- would like to see some some different type of calls at times, but I don't know um, what they're working on, what they feel confident mm-hmm. in. Like you said, we don't get to see um, mm-hmm. what they're doing daily in practice to know, like, all right, what, what are these guys showing the coaches? So that once they get out there and the boss are flying, they've got to they've got to make that call that they believe gives them the best chance. Um, so and right now it's the calls that they believe are giving them the best chance uh, haven't really produced a whole lot, unfortunately. It doesn't look like the, the Monday through Thursday has translated a lot to Saturday uh, from from an offense and a special team standpoint. Jacob, let's let's talk about basketball and Coach Hoiberg uh, in front of the media yesterday and. He's really excited, and I know there's Nebraska basketball fans that are juiced and amped up. I want to talk about this team's maturity. They've got guys that have been a part of the program. They've got some new faces and some young stars. Do you feel, like, good about the chemistry? We can talk about chemistry now, but, uh, you know, come February, come come January, when you're in the, in the slog of a, of a Big Ten road trip or – three straight games or whatever the schedule looks like do you do you believe it can it can be uh, an asset do you do you think this team yes they have talent but do you think they can can be cohesive that's that's avoided nebraska basketball the last two years yeah um you've got you've got five guys um like five core guys coming back that played a lot of basketball together last year i think that's kind of where you start um that certainly helps with Derek walker latman uh Trey McGowan's, Kobe Webster in there. Um, you've got Eduardo Andre that started to play a little bit late in the year. Um, so that's kind of a, a nice little core to start with. And then Bryce McGowan's, I think uh, he's talented enough to kind of fit with those guys, obviously playing with his brother. Um, I, I don't think there'll be too too many uh, chemistry concerns mm-hmm. in that regard. And it seems like Alonzo Verge has really come in and um, really kind of won over his teammates in a hurry, um, both with his – uh, with his personality, he's uh, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of one of the things that the photo shirt, uh, photo shoot that kind of jumped out is like 
uh, this dude's kind of a character. Um, he, he was one of the guys that were uh, having the most fun with it. Um, and he came over with, with John Peterson, our Hale Varsity mm-hmm. photographer, and dragged Derek Walker over and made him uh, recreate a kind of photo of Shaq and Kobe where Shaq was holding uh, Kobe in his arms. And Verge wanted uh, John to shoot him and Derek like that. So uh, that, that was pretty funny. But, um, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> and, his, uh, and they talked about kind of the chemistry they have and the pick and roll and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like Verge has come in and, he was a guy I wasn't sure on when they went out and got him just based on what he showed at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a uh, poor shot selection, wasn't a very efficient player. Um, a lot of those guys over there at Arizona State were kind of shoot first. Um, so it was kind of, they, they didn't really have a cohesive team last year. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it seems like he's really impressed them with his passing. And that's the thing that every time you ask about him, um, whether it's Hoiberg or teammates, that's something that comes up. And that wasn't something necessarily that I expected. Now he averaged like three, four assists at Arizona State. And he, uh, in junior college, he averaged like 30 and nine, mm. uh, whatever. So he, wow. he did both uh, at that level. It's obviously a very different level of basketball. But um, so I, I, think he, I think he could end up fitting into that, that, that lineup a little better than I anticipated. Um, and, and then it's just kind of the, the other guys filling in and kind of sorting out the roster. That's, that's the one thing that Herbert said his biggest challenge right now is, figuring out who to put on the court because mm. you can only play eight, nine man rotation. And once you start getting 10, 11, uh, it gets a little harder for kind of everybody to, to get comfortable and really uh, maximize what they can do out there. So um, they've got a lot of guys that could end up being part of the rotation. And it's kind of hard to figure that out now, but I think it starts with that group of guys that played in the big 10 last year that played together that went through uh, the battles of that uh, incredibly difficult COVID season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those guys are the ones that are going to lead the way for this team with guys like Bryce and Alonzo coming in and adding uh, a, a talent boost. Jacob Adil is with us talking Husker hoops. Jacob, about 40 seconds here. Is the key for this Nebraska basketball team to just, is it just flat out as easy as shooting it better? Because I think the offense can work, but you got to execute. That's the biggest thing. They shot about 33% last year, which uh, isn't good enough uh, for this team to, to really excel. And I, I think if guys come in and they translate, um, we, we've seen them bring in shooters previously that did well elsewhere that it didn't really click it uh, here playing for Nebraska. So if these guys come in and knock down shots, everything else will be so much easier. You'll have room uh, to make plays in the paint. That pick and roll, I think, um, will be a little bit more open. You've got some more driving lanes. Uh, and then guys will be willing to, to, to share the ball a little bit more if they know that once they give it up, that shot's going in or it's going to swing to the, the backside and create more space for them to get back and, and make plays. So it starts with that shooting, and then, then I think everything else will kind of follow along with that. Jacob Bedillo with us. Jacob, we'll uh, be following you for hoops, for football, and, of course, for Husker Volleyball and uh, Nebraska uh, on our mind here with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Give Jacob a follow on Twitter at Jacob underscore Bedilla. Jacob, thanks for uh, jumping back on with us, man. We'll, we'll do this again soon. Sounds good. Take care. There he is. Man, good stuff. Good talk with Jacob uh, when it comes to Nebraska and the red zone and the uh, the Hoiberg offense, man. They can swing it around the horn and, uh, you know, going to be nails to watch the Big Red uh, down at PBA. It's Kaz time. Rick Kaczynski on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could 
Listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back into it at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for our Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski, coach for uh, Nebraska and Iowa. Thanks for having me on again. Hate waiting for the night games, but good thing I had the Notre Dame game on at noon. So got a little bit of that in between some work. That game set offensive football back about <laughs> 25 years. It's good for the defenses. And I spent the rest of the day with Hoping everybody loses. That's kind of what you do as a as a coach. So, <laughs> ex-coach, hope everybody loses. But, unfortunately, somebody's got to win. But I wasn't going to torture myself watching uh, the boat not being rowed either. So, check that score out. That was but, uh, brutal. That was – you go. You don't go for it on your own 29 and jack around. Let me tell you. Were there any tears shed for a Minnesota loss? No, I, just, I couldn't believe it. Old uh, Eric Campbell got closer than I was. Good guy. Played great player at Michigan um, and from Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, he's on that staff there. So, so I was happy to happy to see them get a W there. Always kind of nice to see Minnesota lose. <laughs> Rick Kaczynski's with us Saturday night. Man, Nebraska's defense, specifically in the second half, had Sparty on on lock aside, you know, from a flea flicker and some really bad special teams. Can you believe this? Seems like every weekend, and not to exaggerate, but man, that's that's just the the blowback and the feedback from a lot of the Nebraska fans. They played well enough to win, and we kind of covered the defense's effort heading into Michigan State when we talked last week. You got to feel robbed. Uh, as a defensive player, that said, you're one team. You're you're all part of a family, so you got to pick your other guys up. Big weekend this weekend, needless to say. Well, sometimes families punch one another in the in the mouth. So <laughs> yes, they so, do. <laughs> yeah. So let me amend my comments from uh, from from a week ago. You know, statistically, obviously, but even performance well, you know, watching it, watching it live, easily one of the top performances, if not the top since, since 2010. Michigan State came in running the football. They shut it down, couldn't get the passing game going. They had Thorne uh, on, thrown off his back foot and mm-hmm. having to move around the pocket. So yeah, they did an unbelievable job. And, um, you know, to lose it that way, there's, there's very few times especially as you get older, especially on that level, power five football, where you can say, you you can get up to the microphone afterward and you can tweet, you can do all that and say, shoulda, coulda. But there's very few times where you can walk off the field as a coach and a player and say, you know, we deserve to win that game, but you didn't. And and that's, that's a game. That's, that's a game. Yeah. I, mean, I hate to say it, Nebraska, Nebraska should have won. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hate that word, but that's, you know, when you're on that defensive side of the ball, I mean, it, I, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, um, you know, how difficult it was. Those, those dudes played lights out, and that's what was disappointing. And it was a game they, they, they really should have won. But uh, you know, it, once again, it, it, it's those mistakes. I don't, I don't care who you're playing if you can't protect the quarterback and you give up points in the special teams. Not only points, but uh, but field position, and you know that just puts more pressure on the defense. Anytime you got a short field, you know, been there, done that. Um, it, it just, man, it, you got you playing on your heels, man, and, and eventually the dam's going to break. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it happened and happened in overtime. You know, that's that's just that's just a tough situation to put them in. 
there ain't a there ain't a fire department in the in the United States that could have put a fire out that big in, mm-hmm. in overtime. But uh, you know the guys competed. Um, you know, love that, you know, tough dudes, but you know, the defense at this point, man, that's, you know, that's the team they're, they're going to, they got to take this thing over. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting after guys in, in the locker room. You know, it's, it's, it's a fine line. Um, but enough's enough. I mean, you got, you know, it's fine. It's time for the players to hold players, uh, accountable or, or you're going to lose the team. You know, when you, when you lose in, in that type of fa- fashion, um, it's really fragile, man. You can you can lose a team. It can be hard. Can be really hard to get back. And yeah, I think a telling picture is when when that ball went through the uprights on that final play, where you just saw some defensive guys just kind of standing after uh, after the play, just kind of standing there in disbelief, you know. And I, unfortunately, I, I've been a part of that in 2010 happened to us at Iowa against Wisconsin, you know, game, you know, I'll tell you all day, we were a better football team. We played better. They couldn't do anything. And we, we called, uh, we called a punt return and set a punt safe. And mm. all we had to do was really run out the clock and we gave them the ball back. And, you know, we, we, we lost, you know, we, we lost that team a little bit, man. And we had a top five team that, talent wise that uh that basically went went oh and five man or not oh and five i'm sorry eight and five and, mm. and that was that was on the coaches man and uh, you know the good thing is for nebraska you, you got a lot of older guys playing football right now so um that's the good thing you know you got a lot of guys playing in their last season you got guys that haven't played in a bowl game and and you got a very very winnable um, West, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I look at Nebraska schedule and it's, you know, I hate to say it. It's like, hell, they can win everyone. I could, or they could, they could be in a battle. Everyone, sure. you know, they could lose everyone. And that's, that's, I guess that's the beauty of college football, but that's also the frustration of, of being a Nebraska fan right now. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail varsity radio. Kaz, uh, I think back to, uh, you know, a pretty pretty wild game, and it was kind of on social media a couple of weeks ago. the The Michigan win you guys had back in thirteen, where you got enough offense from Amir and Kenny and and Tommy, but it was really, dude, it was your defensive line and Randy Gregory just doing work at night at mm-hmm. Michigan. And last Saturday kind of reminded me of that, where it was so tough for the offenses because of the, the the defenses and you guys found a way to win you mentioned 2010 i, I think back to bow and the the host job at a&m where it was a nine to six with with levante and you know i mean that that squad that was really good and yeah. and how they really as bow would say gave them three uh but that that was it and there was nine points a lot of flags a little a uh, little varsity blues love that game uh, <laughs> but uh you know you mentioned how fragile a locker room can be and what's that fine line between calling out a player for performance and critiquing specifically publicly i mean how yeah, yeah, how high wire is fan. that i'm not never never been a fan of uh, never been a fan of of anything being said publicly 
Um, they're still college guys, and I'm sure there's some people that'll disagree with that. Let me tell you, man, you know, you feel bad enough as a player uh, for letting the team down. You know, there's I used to tell my guys, I, you know, I played for a guy in Notre Dame that didn't grade us, and his grade was he came in and asked us and said, uh, you know, how'd you think you, how'd you think you played? We knew exactly. We didn't need a grade from him, from Joe Moore, to know how the hell we played. You know how you played. So, what you know, what I don't, what you got to do as a coach, you know, you got a spring, you got 15 spring practices, you got summer conditioning, you know, where you're getting feedback on guys. You're not necessarily working with them directly. You got fall camp. Uh, you know, you know a lot about your guys, and you're going into week six now, man. You know, you, you got what you got. You got to make them better, and you make them better by helping them. Um, you know, if there's a guy all of a sudden that's just lights out in week six, well, how come he wasn't playing the previous five weeks? That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never found a, 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 a hidden diamond, a hidden gem in, in week five or six. You know, guys steadily improved. They steadily figured out the game a little bit. But you're not going to find a guy that just comes lights out that should have been playing the, the previous five weeks. You're not going to find that. You, you gotta, you gotta help some guys, man. Um, you know, I remember coming in at after the Wyoming game uh, in 2013. You know, we played a lot of young guys, and me, Bo, and JP sat down in the staff room. We, you know, we were so disappointed in how we played, and it was like, all right, what do we need to do? And I'm like, hey, man, what we did today, we can't. I can't coach this well enough because they're not going to get it. These dudes, I'm like, I can't teach them how to play football with having this much defense. And all right, we sat up there, we went over the board and he's, what can we run? What do you think we can run? What do you think this guy can do? What can we do pressure wise? Okay. What do you want to run on the goal line? All right. We all agreed. This is what we're going to do. And that's what we practiced. And that's what we did. And I think when you look at that 2013 kid, I, that 2013 team, you know, we, we, we got better, you know, we lost, you know, we lost UCLA, you know, we, we lost a couple games, but I, I think we got better. And you look at us in November, you know, we were right there with everybody, you know, Michigan state came to Lincoln and, you know, we were playing for something and we went on the road and beat Penn state in, in, in overtime, you know, I don't care. If Penn State's down, Penn State Penn, winning in Beaver Stadium's tough, mm-hmm. um, and we did that with some really young guys, man. And then lost to Iowa, that came back and played Georgia in the bowl game, man. And you know those guys started to hit their stride. So you know I think what we did was help those guys. We didn't find anybody new, you know. We didn't add anybody to the mix. You know we knew what Randy was the day he came on campus, and we were fortunate for him, you know, for us that we didn't screw him up. You know, and, and, but those young guys, man, they just learned how to play football and we did everything we could to help them. Um, I'm just not a, you know, Hey, we're getting coaches get paid a lot of money, you know, bash them. It's their responsibility, man, to get these guys playing. And I'm a coach's coach, man. I love coaches, but heck man. I mean, go back, listen to, uh, you know, to Bo's press conferences. Uh, I think you look at the assistants, um, you just, I just don't know what you get. I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's bad business doing that. Uh, I just, I think, you know, there's other ways to do it. And I'm not saying that, that the staff did it or anybody did it. I'm just saying in general, um, you know, when I hear coaches around the country, you know, saying things about, about individual players, 
I just don't like that, man. Guys know that they got to play better. They know that, you know, make them better. It's also your job to, to make them better and put them in position to be successful. But, you know, that's coming from a guy that's, uh, you know, hasn't coached now in, in seven years. So it's, it's real easy for me to real easy for me to say, but, uh, you know, I went through the week and, you know, and you did everything possible during the week up until the game started to, give your guys an advantage, you know, to make sure that your guys were re- prepared, like that you put them in the bat, And that, that is the obligation of a coach, you know? And, and I think the players know that these kids know what you put into them. And that's why you can be demanding. That's why I was able, I think I, I'm hoping, I think with the relationships I have with the guys I previously previously coached they understood that i could get on them i could ride them because they understood the investment i had in them and now and now back to hail varsity radio rick kaczynski's with us hail varsity radio uh, tuesday with kaz kaz uh, thought nebraska is going to try and, and cheer up their offensive line the, the the pressures were horrendous again against adrian i think 28 pressures by combined by both defensive ends we're talking like a damn near a 20 percent sack rate with adrian 12 sacks the last two games 18 for the for the year where the hell were these O-lines when I was coaching in the Big Ten? <laughs> well, that's a good question. And the kids are, like you just talked about, they're, they're trying their best. They want to do well. There's kind of a, a put-on-notice type tone this week with offensive line. And I look at the offensive line, I just don't know that there's older guys behind some of the guys that are maybe a little inexperienced or need to be playing better with their current experience level. So I don't know what you go to if you're not getting what you need out of your current line. I think it's just what we talked about it yeah. in this last segment, Smitty. It's like you got what you have, right? Yeah, that's I mean, where I'm going. Four, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so these are the guys that you brought in. These are the guys you recruited. These are the guys that you've been that you've been working with for now three and four years, man. Um, um, uh, so what do you what are you going to do to help them? What 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 do you have to do? You know, do you keep the back end? Do you run? You know, do you keep a tight end in? Do you keep two tight ends and then just run two, you know, run post digs, take shots off your play action? But I really think, you know, I, I really think if, if Nebraska could just stop the self-inflicted wounds early, yeah. I mean, I can tell you from a defensive perspective, you know, just I, I, I'm a great defensive coach on first and 15, then second and six, second and seven. You know, second and seven, I'm sitting there saying, watch the play action, watch the screen, watch the run, watch everything. You know, you're kind of playing, you know, first and 15, man, we're, we're, we're going, man. <laughs> I mean, we're, and, and I think that's what ha- – I think a lot of this stuff would clean itself up if Nebraska just didn't self-inflict wounds and play behind the chains all the time. You know, second – and you know, there's a huge difference between – Second and seven, getting a little three-yard run, you know, leaning on a defensive lineman, getting tackled with the back falling on top of them, then first and 15, and then getting a run for three. Now it's second and 12. Now what do you do, right? Now, man, I can call any defense I want. You know, I can I can pin my ears, but I can get in my track stance. You know, I can gamble a little bit up front. Man, it's probably going to be in tw- second and 12. <sighs> What are they going to do? Run the ball and get third and nine? Okay, great. Third and nine, I'm pinning my ears back. So, 
So I think a lot of it, it's, you know, I mean, techniques, technique, toughness, whatever. I think a lot of this stuff is Nebraska's, they're constantly on their heels so much uh, that it, 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 it takes away from that technique takes away from that mentality where, you know, you kind of, you lose your edge, you lose your advantage as an offensive, as an offensive lineman, you know, when you jump off sides, now all of a sudden they know you're going on first sound or you're going on one all the time. Right. So, I mean, that's such an advantage. And I think what happens is Nebraska hasn't been able to use the snap count as an advantage because you jump off sides and then you haven't been able to use those second and medium downs where you're a defensive forcing those defensive coordinators to, huh, okay, let's look at their tendencies. Are they play? Are they going to go play action here? Or are they going to run? Well, Hey, if they go, let, they, they may take a shot. Let's play a too high. Look, well, next thing you know, you got them. They hand the ball up off the gut. And now, now, you know, you got four yards, it's third and two. Now you got your whole playbook again. And I think that's not Nebraska. They're just getting out of rhythm and it's not just out of rhythm with play calling. It's, it's out of rhythm with your technique. It's out of rhythm with that mental focus. It's okay. Hey, these guys know we're going on first sound. They know we're going off one. They're just teeing off on us. You know? So I think that's a big part of it. I think if they can stay in front of the chains, you don't have to stay in front of the chains by much. Second and nine is a hell of a lot better than first and 15, I promise you. You know, or second and 14, just stay ahead of the chains little by little and get that advantage back, get that snap counted. And then then, then you can play within your technique, man. Because I've been there, man. I mean, I've been on both. It's easy to panic. There's just times, man, when, when they pin your ears back, man, that is hard. That's hard, and I, and I think that's what's happening to to Nebraska. So, and and I, and, and, and I think you got to take some positives out. You, you, that's why you look at that second half. I don't think they had as many penalties and all that. Didn't have any. They play, they, yeah, I mean, in, in the second half was pretty dang good, man. So so I think it's there. I think it's there. I just think they just totally freaked themselves out. And I went through this as a defensive coach, man. I mean, you remember twenty fourteen. We didn't start playing until we were down seven nothing on defense. You guys were I mean, we might as well just, were I, mean, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I mean, it just got to the point where, like, we would be on the headsets and it's like, it doesn't matter what we call, they're going to score. <laughs> yeah i mean it, it was it was it was so ridiculous you know sometimes you know it's it's a it's a big mental game man and and i think they're they're just a little bit in their head but i think you're but right. um yeah so i think i think you solve that problem you know yeah you help them even if you got to go on first sound or if you got to go on one, the mm. entire first half where you're playing in front of the chains, man, just got to play. Get me to second and eight, man. Get me to second and seven. And I think that's got to be, I think that's got to be the mentality. And it's so much easier on first and 10 getting the second and seven than on first mm. and 15. So you know, so so I think I think they can really help themselves and take away themselves inflicted wounds, man. Kaz, real quick, how huge is is Northwestern? I mean, that night game, obviously, but uh, it's been tight. Needless, uh, or uh, it, it's just been tight. It's been a tight game every time they roll in, or or Nebraska goes to to Ryan Field. 
this time they I come here. I think it's me. I think it's the curse of like uh, the Bambino curse. I think okay. it's the curse of Cass. Cause well, or do you put a curse they, on? <laughs> yeah, Northwestern. I think Pat's first year in the Big Ten, I was at, I, I think it was 2006 when he was first the head coach. Like, I don't think they won a Big Ten game. They came in, they were like two and seven, and they beat us in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, 2008, we had a really good football team. We're up 17 nothing. We muff a punt right before half. End up losing the game. It was it was it was a weird deal. There was times back then where you played. I don't, I think it happened in in 20. Uh, it might have happened at, in 2013 and four. No, I, don't, I can't remember. But there was times we played them at home back to back years. Mm-hmm. So at Iowa, <laughs> and uh, you know we lose to them in 08 at home. So now we got them. We got them, baby. We're going to play them in 2009. We're nine and zero on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Ricky Stanzi, we run a naked. He gets tackled, fumbles in the end zone. They couldn't score. The, they, they couldn't score if we handed them the ball on the three. But what we did, we handed them the ball in the end zone. Oh no! And they, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I think like their average starting field position was Iowa's 44. You know, we lose the game. It was, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And um, so then you come to Nebraska and I think, you know, I think Bo beat Michigan state in 2011, Michigan state had an unbelievable football team, beat Michigan state and then come play Northwestern and lose to Northwestern at home. And then, you know, the battles from, you know, 2012, I think we were down 12 or 13 points with about seven minutes to go at Northwestern. We win. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Final thought with Coach Kaz on Hail Varsity Radio, talking Nebraska Northwestern. You know, uh, 2013, the the last yeah, second. Mary. I mean, I mean, you know, 2014 is probably the only time it was it was kind of comfortable. So, my point being, just throw out, throw out the records. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how the hell this has become like a rival. You know, but same thing at Iowa. Like we just kind of did. I had a lot of respect for both programs, but. Mm-hmm. We didn't like each other. They they got the best of us for a long time there, man. They ruined they they ruined some seasons for us there. And same thing at Nebraska. I mean that 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 killed Nebraska in 2011. Um, you know they're they're a well coached football team. They lost a bunch of guys, a bunch of talented guys. They still hadn't figured out their quarterback. You know lost a really good running back. But I mean they just God, I don't know what it is. They're like knuckleball throwers, man. You know, you're walking back to the dugout saying, how the hell didn't I hit that, man? And that's the same thing with, you know, you look at them in pregame and you're like, I mean, gosh, you know, we didn't miss on any of these guys. We wouldn't recruit any of these dudes. And then next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter and you're in a 14-10 dogfight. Just holding on to your, you know, holding on to your, uh, holding on to your tail, man. So, so I wouldn't be real confident <laughs> just because <laughs> it is got, what it and is. I think with this Nebraska team, you just got to expect a, a dog fight week in week out, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's in it. And I think if you look at college football in general this year, I think, I think that's kind of how it's going to be. And I think it's pretty good. It's kind of like the NFL. You just mm-hmm. don't know. 
you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out. I think everybody is capable of beating everybody right now. So if they play the way they're supposed to play, they're going to be, they're going to be in great shape, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, throw the records out and and the offensive statistics. And, and then uh, I think you just go, you know, you gotta go play, hope for the best. Rick Kaczynski, this was fun. We'll we'll check in next week, brother. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, Schmitty. All right, buddy. Good stuff from Kaz. Uh, Podcast will be up. And uh, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Take us with at your convenience. Of course, live every day, 4 to 6. Good stuff from Rick Kaczynski. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Great stuff from Jacob Padilla on uh, Nebraska's Red Zone. And, of course, Husker Hoops with uh, the mayor and company. They get rolling on Friday night. So tomorrow we are at Seacrest Field, freshman football, southwest, southeast. Uh, That'll be ongoing. We'll give you updates on that as we uh, make our way to the midweek edition. Tomorrow, Mike Babcock with us, Mike Shuhart, college football insider Brad Edwards, his take on the Big Ten on Nebraska and that showdown down in Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss and Lane. And the visor find their way down to uh, to challenge Coach Saban and uh, Alabama. Uh, reminder: Single Barrel Roadshow Friday, Home Football Fridays. We are in the Single Barrel uh, inside the Graduate Hotel, four to six. Excited about that! Amazing uh, food and drink specials. The stakes are second to none with your friends at the Single Barrel. So come on down, see us. Uh, we encourage you to do that. We might have a well, our favorite uh, sideline reporter sitting next uh, to us for a couple of hours. Uh, so a potential Searles signing Friday. Excited about that. Good stuff from Connor Clark. And uh, on the road tomorrow, on the road Friday, as uh, we get you ready for Nebraska Northwestern. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.